Welcome to Ghostwatch 2017. My name is Coriander Dickinson, and this is a podcast about Ghostwatch 2016, which was a podcast about Common Rider Ghost. I have asked Adam Wasserman. Hi. What's what's it about now? And Alexi Peppers. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> to come and listen to that podcast and then give me feedback on it. Uh-huh. See? Uh, this is episode 33. Three, two, one. Uh, episode, episode 33. 33 fire, fire, water, water, power, power WTF. WTF. Episode 33 of Common Rider Ghost, the infinite potential of humanity is revealed through a series of explosions. That is the description. I have no idea, based on these few clues, what the episode could be like, but I am ready to listen to the theme song. We were watching a show made of reject Sony R&D. Special effects spreading across half a century. Magic ghost shirts, pokeballs, and fanny packs. And despite never leaving Coriander is back, the bestest post that watched Common Rider Ghost has more to say with this replay. Join Adam and Alexi in this meta fun, rehashing a show that still isn't done. Enjoy the unseen with Ghost Watch 2017. Sweet. That reminds me, actually, that I'm going to see Jerry probably next month, because he's going to XOXO, and so am oh. I. You should you should get him to sing the word finally for you, and you can just slot it in there. Just record yeah. him saying the word finally? That's a good idea. Or, or maybe singing. Maybe just saying it. Finally done. Yeah. 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 If he's, if he's in one piece when I get there, yeah. Down to this Portland. This is like past the mid-season mark. It's about time we get a, a variation of theme song to maybe i should just do a remix us. like put a drum machine on and just loop it <laughs> and the the new opening should have our all of our new henshins in it exactly all the new friends that we've discovered all the guests yeah, gandalf, we've had basically. on the show all the guests <laughs> yeah <laughs> just a lot of gandalf all our great memories gandalf, about pacific the, rim <laughs> maybe the back yeah, of ian's head uprising hiding in the corner mm-hmm. Brief, brief Godzilla cameo. Yeah. All right, Jerry, make it so. <laughs> so, so Alexi, how uh, wrecked did this episode wreck you? Uh, I did. It, it was a lot of feels. It's funny because it's called infinite feelings. Yes. Yes. Infinite potential, infinite feelings. Well, that's the potential of humanity. Spoilers. It's yeah. the capacity for feelings. Yeah, and specifically memory. And remembering people after they're gone but this bothers me well i guess it's technically infinite in one way i don't know it's just it's, okay skipping to like end kind of stuff the the whole thing is like oh infinite potential is because memories and the way that people care about you lives on after you die and therefore transcends death and therefore is infinite ergo if you can make people care about you and sense their feelings, you become infinite and no longer are constrained by death or space-time or whatever. You know, I don't think I picked up on that. That seemed to be the conclusion at the end of this, of like, Takeru, when he explains the reason why he can see memories is because the memories let him connect to the feelings people have had and the infinite future. It's a little weird. 
but but my problem with it is that memories like they do start at a certain point like people did not have memories of Takeru before Takeru was born it's true that you can kind of be like after that point it stretches oh so your your nitpick your your detail is that you cannot be (laughs) infinite if you have a starting point yeah, except even then, like, there's different types of infinite, and it is true that, like, if time is infinite, your starting point doesn't really matter. It's still infinite. But then, are you counting the heat death of the universe? Like, I don't know if our universe exists in an infinite sense. I don't think it's rational to think that because people remember you when you die, that your your memory will be passed on through the rest of time anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem this very optimistic. <laughs> like, maybe if you're Superman... I often think of myself as just like an impression people get in their memories. And then eventually the last person who remembers me will die. And then I will cease to exist for sure. Like that's the only way to kill me. That does seem to be what they've established. (laughs) And also very literally in the Takeru can continue coming back to like physical life. As long as people are alive who remember him. Like, yes. I mean, also, technically, this is the first appearance of his infinite form, although they don't really, you don't really get to see it properly, and they don't call it that until the next episode. So that might have something to do with it. Infinite taco. Yeah. And his special move is called elation stream. That's right. But yeah, feelings. Takaru dies. uh, And it is very sad. So the thing about it is that I did get very sad because not only was Takaru dead which like eh, sad but not like tear worthy but then they did have to show everyone in the cast trying to deal with it and then breaking down individually in, into tears including Onari so obviously I'm certain that I've stated before that having characters cry on screen is cheating yeah <laughs> the thing though is so when that was happening I was at the point of like tears on the inside but it didn't Mm. last long enough to get to tears on the outside i was thinking about how this works that like i can very quickly be at the point that is like the level of upset that will result in tears but it takes a while to actually like physically get there which can be like weird to try and explain because to me if i get to that point where i feel like it it's the same whether or not it's like actually i start crying Really? The first one is, is like, it's a briefer moment. Hmm. I don't know. Is this, is this a shared experience? Well, for me, I, I have existed in a state of constant sadness for, like, several decades. So it's like, actually crying is the point where it has completely overcome all of that repression. Like, I am constantly not crying in front of people. So if I'm crying, that means I'm sad enough to actually, like, reach over that hurdle of, no, never, never express what you're actually feeling. To actually, like, cry. And then it's an extreme feeling. Yeah, I think for me, what gets me is either, like, sort of iterative emotion, where, like, the emotion amps up, like, through several stages, or like empathy where I'm empathizing with the characters either either in a joyful moment or a sad moment to the point that it that it gets me like uh say I know inside out uh when when Bing Bong um saves joy Mm. that gets me because I'm like I love that character yeah and I I love 
sort of like the the joy of him having sacrificed himself for the greater good but it's also sad so it's a bunch of stuff at the same time you you were saying you like bing bong which a lot of yeah. people don't and i i also <laughs> like bing bong those people are bad people it's just like that that joyful childish thing and then that self-sacrifice which is a mature yeah. action it's just like heart-wrenching another thing recently that well listening to the the last episode of the adventure zone while i was driving like kind of wrecked me in the car (laughs) um but there was a previous episode where the the one where they all like reach out to stop um magnus from getting sucked into the afterworld yeah and i'm just like they love each other so much and they're all together and they're all trying so hard and it just like again killed me in the car i was like oh my god oh and griffin like wrote special music for yeah. that, which was amazing. And then it was nice to hear after the fact that that was a big moment for them too, because I was like, maybe it's just me that this is like beautiful and touching, but stuff like that, or like not necessarily fictional stuff, but like I watched that. Um, what's his name? The really annoying documentary and the Fahrenheit nine 11 guy, Michael Moore, Michael Moore, the Michael Moore documentary he did about, the state of healthcare in America. I can't remember what it was called anymore. Right. But just like seeing people talking about their loved ones passing away really got me at that, at that time. Cause I was started empathizing thinking if this happened to me and then it's like, you know, waterworks. So if you can get me to relate, basically that's when my floodgates open. Yeah. The adventure zone is actually a good example of one of the exceptions. Cause so usually for me, if something gets me to the point that like I'm, crying on the inside and it's like i can feel like the tension in my face muscles and stuff like that of like okay i'm at that point but it'll still take a while like it needs to sustain that level of feeling long enough to become actual crying Mm. um that does sometimes get subverted there was a moment in the last adventure zone which i I don't want to have a big adventure zone spoiler yeah those watch 2017 but there's a moment where Griffin asks Travis like a single question that he asked the question instantly. I was crying like, mm. <laughs> so that yeah. can happen, but much more often it's just, I get to this point. That's like, it's weird because to me, I, I could say like, Oh yeah, I started crying even though physically I didn't. Cause it was like, there's a state I get to that then the physical stuff just like takes a little while after to follow. It's like tantric hmm. crying. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's the the, so, the the closest thing so, I could think that's of. That's so funny. No, I do also. I do also uh, relate with Adam's empathy crying because, like, anything that is real in universe or in real life that affects characters in a way that gets them like that's why crying is cheating on screen for me because yeah. it's like yeah. if the character is crying, I'll cry. But like watching yeah, something sure. like uh, is it the art of killing, or mm. documentaries? Yeah, I, yeah I'm yeah. just like devastated. Yeah, when I was a kid, when I watched Ernest goes to camp and he sings a song about how he's glad it's raining so people can't see him crying, that made me cry. And I told, let's totally cheating because there's a goddamn song about it. Yeah, and it's Ernest goes to camp. It's not really it's 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 not really that sad. And I was embarrassed because my sister was there. <sighs> Anyway, I over empathize like chronically, uh, even with like fictional characters. Like I, I very easily start hardcore 
empathizing with any kind of character. Which is why, so, common uh, Rider Ghost can make me real sad, and all they have to do is, like, make the characters very sad. Oh, no, I cried on this episode. For sure. I did not, um, but I was, like, I, I was not sure. And given given Ghost's track record of, of always doing, like, the safest possible thing, more or less, I was not sure if... Taco was actually going to be alive at the end of the episode, or if they were actually doing like a big change him up, which would have surprised the hell out of me. But I was start- like, yeah, in this show, as the episode kept going, I was like, it's possible, maybe. And I wasn't like, I wasn't super surprised that they didn't, but I was like, huh, the, I could, I, the possibility is starting to seem like it's there. And there have been other tokusatsu shows that have not with the main character, but have killed off characters, so it wasn't like impossible. And I was like, maybe it's just a huge course correction. I don't know. I knew for a fact that Taka would come back, but it was the pain that the other characters were experiencing yeah, because they exactly. didn't have that guarantee that set me off. Yeah, it, it changed nothing for me to know whether or not Taka who is back at the end of the episode. Because yeah, it was that like empathetic pain for the characters and what they were going through. And they go through that regardless of what the end outcome is. That's how I feel about Infinity War. Yeah, getting Deadpool 4. Spoilers. Yeah, Deadpool 4. Yeah, a lot gonna... of people are like, they said that they weren't upset because they know because of contracts or whatever that, that things will work yeah. out. And I'm like, well, no, that makes no difference to me because it's about what the characters are feeling. Where, whereas for me, that did like, that did for for Infinity War. I at the end, I was like, okay, like on a certain like on a story level, like I'm getting this, and it's but I did not feel emotionally connected to it because I was like, well, I know that not that these characters aren't gone yet, right? Versus, like, I find it interesting. So I saw Deadpool four with my dad, uh, and my dad is emotional in a really different way that like is hard to understand like he usually seems not very emotional like he doesn't you know cry at movies and things like that he, mm-hmm. he is very detached seeming but what it turns out is just like he really doesn't feel any like empathetic connection to fictional characters like to him mm-hmm. fiction is fiction and doesn't really have any connection but if anything actually like relates back or makes him think of something to do with his real family then that like really messes him and up. And there's a lot of family so connections it, in Deadpool 4. Yeah. Yeah, there were some family things in that made him think. And then the very end of Deadpool 4, where there was just a kind of general uh, humanity affecting thing, it made him think of like, if that happened, what would happen to, you know, me and my brother and my mom and stuff like that. And mm. that made him start crying at the end of the movie. Mm. Which is really interesting. That makes sense to me. Whereas, like, I know Guardians of the Galaxy two affected a lot of people in that way, like they, that relates back to their own life. But that did not get me at all. Guardians no. of the Galaxy two, I was just like stone. Yeah. Yeah, I had no feelings. I that. well, it's it's dad issues, and I guess if you have big dad issues, which I, I imagine a lot of people do, I could totally see that. But I I don't right. really, or at least not that kind. Yeah, I guess that's true, because it's like... Um, or even mom issues, I guess. Fallout 3, because like, I don't have dad issues, but I have like a close relationship with my dad. So something like Fallout 3, which relies on you having a close relationship with your fictional dad, mm-hmm. right. kills him. Fallout 3 spoilers. 
uh, for the first hour. Yeah. That can get me. Well, it's like Fallout yeah. 4, where it's like, if you've had a kid, maybe you feel a thing. But I'm like in the camp of, I don't care that I don't have a yeah. kid in real life. Yeah. You know, here's what's weird is a movie that really does get me that is about like, not exactly dad issues, but parent stuff is Monsters, Inc., which which really gets me, even though I've never had kids and I never will. But there's just something about it that's like universal enough that I that I and I love the characters enough that I got in that I got into it and I'm like, okay, like just that that last moment where where like the door opens and I'm just like, yes. So I don't know. Yeah, I've noticed more and more that I can accidentally be gotten by stuff that's trying to be almost like maternal just because like because I have a younger brother and as like the older sister, it was my job to like look after him. Hmm. And so stuff with like a little boy or like an elder sibling especially but even sometimes if it's like a mom and there's just when there's a little boy in danger it can get me Hmm. because like it brings me back to when my brother was young and i was like trying to look after him yeah and my sister and i are only about three years apart so i don't have that but again like lilo and stitch gets me like the the end where where stitch is saying is saying goodbye kills me so i mean maybe i just have a general family vibe more than anything i don't know or maybe right. just really well-made movies with well-crafted characters get me like relating to the characters, regardless of whether it's exactly something I've experienced, which is probably the case. Right. So, because like as far as I'm concerned, Monsters Inc. and Leland Stitch are both great, great movies. It's actually funny that you mention the like arms outstretched moment of the Adventure Zone because mm. I referenced it in my own notes for this episode. Hmm. Um, because after Takeru dies and, oh, and this also, so this is why I didn't get to the point of physical tears. I just got to like, I had, I got to the point of inside tears when everyone was crying. Uh, <laughs> and then I was briefly shocked out of it by Yurisen showing up and being just the most awful, horrible <laughs> puppet <laughs> and saying we're totally boned. Um, but then everyone's crying and then Takoyaki brings about a healing moment. And it's very cute that uh, Makoto and Phoebe are there and they both get the same box of Takoyaki and each one of them's holding one side of it with one hand as they share it. <laughs> and oh my it's God. just, it's really cute. Uh, they're in sync. They're drift compatible. They but then totally they all like bend together. And yeah, I know they would have a great Jaeger. Uh, they all decide that like they're going to do it and they're going to be better and they're going to like fight past this. And that's when I started writing in all caps a lot. So I was like, <laughs> they're good boys. They're such good people. I'm glad to find out that you write all caps in your notes. Yes. Yes. But then, so Akari does some science, which I'll get to uh, in a minute. And there's the whole thing where on her computer, it's like Necrom portal goes to one world. And then it's like, Necrom portal to other world and what I thought they were going to do was an arms outstretched thing where they Mm. were going to somehow turn Necrom's portal into a portal to like heaven or the afterlife or wherever Taco was floating around in space and like pull him out Oh, that's not what happened No, that's what I thought it was not even a little what they were doing was like more random which yeah. is that they just opened it to a random point in space. And the problem with Taco persists 
where he doesn't care that other people are upset that he's dead. Yeah. He kind of likes it. He's- <laughs> he does. I mean, to be fair, yeah. I if 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 you know, I was pulling the old Mister Howell fake fake my death th- to see my funeral thing. I'd be happy if people were sad too. Which I realize is yeah. not what Taco's doing, but no, not even a little. That's not, not what it was. It Huckleberry Finn who does it. Tom Sawyer <laughs> hides in the rafters, yeah. Yeah. disappears on their raft trip, comes back and spies on his funeral. I, I like the Mister Howell tactic of just putting your hat on top of some quicksand. So it looks like you drowned. Classic. Classic. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay, I, I saw a video of Quicksand for the first time, eventually after YouTube was invented, and it looks nothing like any nope. depiction I've seen. It's just water, but it's covered in sand. I, I think I saw Mythbusters where they tried to replicate like movie Quicksand, yeah. and it does not. Like, it just doesn't. No. It doesn't. You, you, you can't, but... It reminds me of uh, Roderick on the line, where they where they talk about when they were kids, like how it seemed like quicksand was literally everywhere, like like you should be stumbling over it all the time for the amount of quicksand there was in media. Yes, quicksand and gorillas. I have seen a gorilla at a zoo. I don't, I don't even know where quicksand is. I don't think gorillas I gorillas as a problem. No, like you just there were just a lot. Seemed to be a lot of gorillas in general. <laughs> like you're watching TV and there's there, there's a gorilla for some reason. Or more more accurately, like someone in a gorilla up. outfit. Oh. Yeah. I think it's because there were a lot of 60s sitcoms that were still being reared when I was a kid. And and oh. people in gorilla suits were just a trope back then. Like in the 50s, 60s. I, I've seen a lot of gorillas in real life, but I have never seen a person in it. What do you mean a lot of? What? I I've felt gone like to so a many lot. zoos. And most zoos oh, have yeah. gorillas. Do and they? I've gone, they I used do to go not. To the Calgary they do not zoo. have large apes at a lot of zoos. A lot of large-scale zoos what like the calgary zoo has gorillas and and mandrills oh wow they suck again the ass just (laughs) you really have a mandrill problem i love the i love the character of mandrill in polar bear cafe but in real life no get it away from me it's too intelligent and the snout is wrong like I, I went to the Basil Zoo. They got gorillas. I don't even like gorillas unless they're in Disney's Tarzan. Seriously? Right. What yeah. about gorillas in the mist? Uh I saw Congo at a young age. Ah, uh, I see the problem. Yeah, Michael so Crichton always... is the problem. <laughs> With your youth. You you really grew up in the Michael Crichton era, didn't you? I really did. And then I went and read the books. I, I didn't even watch uh, the earlier Michael Crichton stuff until mm-hmm. like now. Uh, but it, it holds up. I read, I remember reading Congo. Yeah. That's, that's how I learned about gorilla? hippopotamuses having like serrated teeth and that they're super dangerous, apparently. Oh, yeah. Hippos are the worst. Uh, Congo is a movie about a diamond heist and genetic manipulation i believe I think, no <laughs> sounds like Crichton. well the i think the in the book they were just like really super intelligent like gorillas that used tools like two stone stone slabs and they would crush people's heads with them yeah i never I saw the movie i saw the movie a bunch but only as a kid i haven't seen that movie well, since i was like 10 bruce campbell got killed in the first five minutes and you can't tell me he deserved it 
Bruce Campbell was in it? He's like one of the people who gets killed in the first five minutes. It's yeah. one of his so biggest roles. They find, like, I at think, the time. diamonds. They do find diamonds. Like, there's a reason people, white people, are in the Congo with these gorillas. Yeah. Like, there's a scientific experiment. Scientific, scientists are bad and evil and greedy. And other people uh-huh. are greedy and want the diamonds. And other people, I think, want to hunt super intelligent gorillas. Okay. And then the, I think there's right. like an albino one that's their friend yeah. or something. It does it does still sound like the gorillas are in the right here. Yeah, but then there was like Mighty Joe like Young. The gorillas were just living in the Congo. And other things. Wait, the one with so, Charlie's Theron? Yeah. Okay. That was in the 90s. Gorillas make me emotional. I can very easily cry about gorillas because <laughs> they're so close to us. Well, don't watch Gorillas in the Mist then. Know. Yeah. I know I haven't. I know that would wreck me. I've like even just, um, I watched like a TED talk from this guy who uh, worked in like mountain gorilla sanctuaries and stuff like that, and like, oh man, any of that stuff, and I, I get weepy because it's, it's like I can't. It makes me so frustrated. Orangutans too. Orangutans now extra because of Terry Pratchett, but um, yeah, any of the great apes. Orangutans scare me as they are super strong. Is this and a Jungle well, I Book know thing? that because of Terry Pratchett. No, it's not King yes. Louis. Louis is not okay. responsible. I didn't even identify Louis with other orangutans. Like the depiction yeah, of no. orangutans in the more recent um, Planet of the Apes type movies is mm. what I picture orangutans as. <laughs> this large, hulking, wide-armed carpets. Yeah, and then they can yeah, with, like, break. They can break a femur. It's just like mm. it's true. Like, but we have living creatures on Earth that are highly intelligent, very closely related to us, can learn to communicate in sign language and have like complicated ideas. Like we have all this science fiction stuff talking about wouldn't it be cool if there were like aliens we could communicate and stuff like that. We have animals like that on Earth and we just kind of don't give too much of a shit. Like scientists do and are doing their best but it's not like we fund them very well and we mostly just kill them off and destroy their habitat like oh i get upset about it i think in general people put it in the same category as rats in a maze even though rats are super intelligent and caring and familial they're seen as just like either dirty sewer beasts or science experiments so it's like oh sure scientists can make a gorilla use sign language but that's not applicable to my life. I mean, to be fair, we should probably just leave them alone in the first place. Let them do their gorilla thing. I don't think people work that way. I... Oh, they don't. Yeah. They, they don't even work that way towards other, like, humans, let alone gorillas. That's actually one thing I think Crichton understood very well, which is that humanity never can just, like, leave something the hell alone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. His, his later stuff, like, uh, he did a nanobots book. Yeah, I I really like that one. I think it is it called Prey. I think it's oh, Prey. Yeah, that was after or... I stopped reading his stuff. Yeah, that was one of his later ones. Like I, I mean, like timeline was like later, that. and I loved the book yeah. more than the on screen version, which was mm. wrong and bad. I think uh, I tapped but... out on Crichton after Rising Sun. Hmm. No, wait, disclosure. I think. But I I got hooked with like either way. Uh, Sphere. Yeah, I re- yeah, Sphere was okay. But and anything after that was just like, oh, and then there's, you know, Jurassic Park and whatnot. Mm. 
Kamen Rider. Yeah, uh, trying, right. to, trying, to, trying to pull yep. it back. <laughs> bring it back. Bring it back. There's no transition. Just bring it back. Um, there's a powerful scene. So, like I said, it. I didn't start crying because it turned to happiness soon enough that I didn't get like going. Uh, because everyone decided to power through it, and the gang's all there, and they superhero walk, and that I also started writing in all caps. Everyone gets a taco chunk. Ari's <laughs> in charge. Friendship circle, Yu-Gi-Oh style. Gramps has no hope. They'll show him the power of love. Okay, so walk me through that. Okay, so Akari like rallies everyone together and gives everyone a piece of the icon that Taco had. And then they hold it in their hands and put their hands together in a traditional like friendship circle. Like a moment in season one Yu-Gi-Oh! Where they do that and they write the happy face on all their hands. Oh, right. And then Gramps is there watching, and he's like, oof, what do they think they're doing? Takeru is definitely dead this time, but they're going to show him. This was when I still thought they were going to go to heaven and bring him back. Pimplebot shows up. Elaine saves Makoto, which, of course, I had to write down. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> And I was like, oh, I see, they have a different plan, which is that they're going to banish him to space. And I'm like, well, you know what, that is kind of cool that instead of deciding to save Takeru, they just decided to, like, keep doing what he wanted to do and, and find a new novel solution to the problem. And then before I could complete that thought, Pimplebutt was back. That plan did not work for any amount of time. And then there's lots more explosions. There are a lot of cool explosions. Um, but this time I wrote, Christ, no, not the normies. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone's there. Like, the Shrine Boys and stuff are getting blown up. Oh. Uh, and they're going to die. Yes. They're human. They don't have coffins. Yeah. No. I'm uh, thinking about it, and I'm pretty sure that there has, at least in Heisei, there has never been an instance of a non-common rider defeating a monster. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> is that still true? Akari has done a lot, but I I think you're right. She's never. Yeah, it's it's like impossible for normals. Yeah, I mean Spectre and uh, Necrom were there, but there was a whole crowd of non-magical people to protect, and the explosions had a large radius. <laughs> um, but Akari gets up and is like, "No, I won't stop." Uh, and I was complaining in my notes that this is once again a wonderful moment for her to become a common rider herself. Right. But no. Yep. We uh, wanted it to. But yeah. Yeah. Yep. But they keep going and it's like Takaru and Akari's like connection of love back to childhood forms this infinite bond. <laughs> and you're totally right in Ghost Hole 2016 that it's like the Teletubby sun. <laughs> like happy faces flying around Takeru in space. I don't know. I went back to watch it. And I didn't notice this the first time. But for one thing, Hubert is in the faces. What? And I hate that. <laughs> Hubert does not deserve to be there. I don't Mozart. <laughs> no, no Mozart. Just Hubert. Um, but so is it goes all the way back that the lady who was Robin Hood is there. Oh, like wow! From the crossover with Drive episodes, I didn't even. I had trouble recognizing everyone. Like it starts out with the normal supporting cast, 
but then I thought when I watched it the first time, I thought they were just kind of circling. But no, like they get swapped out with more esoteric characters, like one off. Like it's funny because I wrote Dead Dad Lady, but that describes so many people <laughs> on the show. Do you mean Houdini but Girl? The one with the glasses. Okay, no, Houdini Girl glasses was there. Dad. So was the one with the glasses. Wait. Yeah, Glasses Dad Girl was there too. The oh. dad that becomes glasses, or is there a different dad with glasses? The dad that becomes okay, glasses. Thank you. His daughter is there and yeah just a bunch of people so that was interesting uh yeah and then through the infinite memories persisting beyond death Takaru is able to come back and they drop the title theme and it's awesome it's one of those things that you gotta you gotta limit yourself like I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure this is the first time that they've had the title music in an episode like as a triumph. If you do it too often. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it works. Like it was exciting. So he comes back and he saves the day. So that's fun. And I do trust that you are paying attention to the music, so I may not remember, but you've seen it more recently. Yeah, and I, I like the music a lot. That's another way to like get me going emotionally. That's why the adventure zone, well, of many reasons, was able to do yeah. it so often it has the use of music. Uh, so my one other point is that this had uh, Akari doing science and a few quick shots of science journals. So I did what I did last time this happened and I went back and I paused on all those frames and tried my best to figure out how much work did they put into this science. And it's still so good. I don't know who like their science consultant was, but it's a bunch of actual space-time science. It runs up once again about the fact that I am not like an actual physicist. But I was having so much fun because every little thing that I could see, like I saw there's a, a bunch of like plots with curves. And I thought I was like, well, that just looks really random. I'm sure that won't be anything actually important. No, it's zenith angle dependences. And I found a paper on estimating zenith angle dependence for terrestrial cosmic rays. And it looks like the exact same. That's really cool. That's impressive. Yeah. And and there's uh, part of how I was able to to start piecing more of it together is because, so she's got a big journal, which looks like it's hers. And then she's got the small journal that the bee gave to Mm -hmm. her. And the small journal, uh, on the one hand, when you actually pause on it is silly because she's got two pages open and it's actually the same page just written twice. Oh no. So, <laughs> prop department. But no. Prop department. But the bottom of the page is a bunch of German. So <laughs> I guess the D writes in German, which is interesting. I must say that after years of watching Japanese media, the Japanese love German. That is true. Yeah. Really? Yes. Huh. Entirely. Yeah. They have a lot of bar- borrowed words from German, too. Oh, like That's what? So cool. I didn't know that. Uh, like, uh, the word for part-time job is Arbeito, which is from Arbeit um, for work in German. I had no idea. I, so I only cool. know because... I, I actually don't want to say because this is a fun podcast and I don't want to talk about, like, World War II. So, anyway, there's a reason well, I know. No, right. I mean, like, Axis Powers, Align, whatever... But in some of the trigger animations specifically, 
there's a lot of German, and we've noticed that from Inferno Cop, which is the opening. And oh, Kill yeah. Kill a Kill has a lot of German in it, and you look at things like a lot of mech or technical anime, and they're like... Yeah, Evangelion. Yes, Evangelion. But even Evangelion borrows from just arbitrary things, so... Yeah, but they, I mean, but Asuka um, is German, and so she tends to, like, throw a bunch of German words around periodically. Yeah, and especially when they want to uh, reference, like, philosophy, they throw in a lot of German. But... Right. Well, a lot of philosophy is German. It's true. That's cool. Yeah, well, so there was this German. The funny thing, though, is that I was trying to translate it, and the spacing is really weird and off. Like, because the same text is written twice, and it's not copy-pasted, because you can tell, like, some of the words that on one side of the page are written so close together you'd think it was one word. On the other page, it looks like there's a space in between. So it's weird, inconsistent German that, like, I could not get a really good trans- translation on because I don't think it was written properly. <laughs> but it's basically saying we're here and it's talking about Fermat. So interestingly, if the space is not in one of the words, then one of the words is the word for death. So it's like hmm. something about death and Fermat, which is cool if that's actually what they mean. Yes. Um, so that put me in the direction of, of Fermat, who I did know and is a French mathematician. I've, I've heard of Fermat's theorem. His, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Fermat's theorem, there's also a way that it relates to uh, like general relativity and let's see, I was trying to, like how light rays act in curved space-time. And so once again, there was like a diagram on the page that kind of just was like a cone with a cross section. And I thought like, ah, that's just kind of a generic shape. And then I found this paper on the generalized Fermat principle and action for light rays and curved space time. And there's a diagram just like that. That's about geodesics in flat space time. So given that they're talking about like a portal and dealing with like space time through a plane, it actually seems really relevant. Which really explains a lot of like the short times taken to transport between the planets. Like in it is unclear whether Ganma Hell is like another dimension or planet or what. But the link is like a very short distance and through portals. That is true. Like you, it, they they do not fly between the two of them. No. Yeah. I, I always like, assumed Ganma Hell was like like a parallel dimension or something. Oh, you mean a parallel Earth? Like that's why they have red soccer fields? I don't know. Like just 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 like not like another planet, just something like like next like like underimposed or superimposed or whatever. Mm, like yeah. maybe like a lower dimension or something. I don't know. I mean the show doesn't know either, so Yeah, the show does not know. Someone went to all this effort. There's also a Penrose diagram, which is a theoretical physics uh, way of, in two dimensions, capturing causal relations between different points in space-time. So, man, science consultant on Ghost was excellent. (laughs) I wish I could understand all of it. I tried to outsource it. I sent uh, a friend of mine... A picture because there's also a 
uh, molecule. Right. Like a diagram of a molecule. Oh, please send that to me. And Oh, okay, cool. I can do that. Uh, I have a friend to outsource to. Right now. Okay. I will send that to you. Maybe next ghost watch, we might have an answer. Um, but like that's way harder to Google. Yes. yes. I even went as far as finding a tool where you could freeform draw like molecular diagrams to identify them, but I couldn't get it to do all the functionality I needed to to be able to draw it. So I, I hit a dead end, except that the very end of it, because it's kind of, it's got a, uh, well, I don't know, I'm bad at, I didn't take chemistry in university, but it's got kind of a tail and at the end of it is uh, oxygen and kind of trihydrogen, which turns out to be a uh, ion called hydronium and I didn't think it would go anywhere just to know that, but it turns out hydronium is uh, related. There's a concept of interstellar hydronium, which is often found in molecular clouds as well as the tails of comets. So it has to do with actual like astronomy stuff. So I assume that that's kind of the direction it's going in, but I lack the chemistry knowledge to get all the way to the end of why is this on this page. But more and more, it seems like the answer is never they picked a random science thing. It really seems like whoever was doing these knew the actual science. Kind of like what to present to an audience, potentially, that would yeah. look correct. Yeah, it's like someone said, okay, the conceit is that we're dealing with this gate that is like a connection to a different point in space. And Akari's trying to figure out how to change that gate and how to make it go to a certain place and what will happen, what physics are related. They established her very early as a physics buff. Right. It's really too bad that whoever worked on the show that did this will never know how much work you put into trying to figure it out. Because they would probably yeah. be like tickled pink to know that like a random Canadian lady is is trying to like figure this stuff out and actually paid attention to whatever they were doing because I'm sure small Japanese children did not. Yeah, it, it did make me kind of sad that I felt like this was a level of effort that someone put in that was probably not acknowledged by like anyone. And yeah, because of the extra layers of it being a Japanese show and stuff like that, like if it was American... I would be tempted to try and figure out who it was and see if they have a Twitter so I can be like, tweet at them and tell them that I appreciate their work. Right. But there's so many yeah. layers of, of miscommunication that I don't think I'll be able to figure out who did this. But yeah, it's a shame because they did a really good job and, and yeah, I, I want to appreciate them. I, I continue to be shocked that there's actually something there because like, I like to do this whenever I see science stuff. And basically never does it result in anything interesting. It's always just like EF equals MC squared written a bunch of times. Which they something. do have in the show, but you've also got kind of a one-to-one -one payoff so far in digging into this. Yeah, it, and it's just every even parts of it that I think... Because the reason why I, I thought there might be something here is because one of the main diagrams right off the bat is kind of of a, a plane with a 
hole in it going down like if you had a bed sheet and then something heavy on it which is like the classic way of depicting what a black hole looks like when you're considering like gravity yes that's kind of a plane so like that's a really recognizable image and so i saw that and thought oh like i see that this must be black hole kind of stuff but the rest of the diagrams i really thought would turn out to be nothing so the fact that they did all turn out to be actual space-time related stuff and that i was able to track it down it, it, it's a lot of fun it's like a fun easter egg just for me <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a wikipedia listeners hole. yeah it, it, especially because i lack the actual education to understand these concepts or be able to recognize them is all it's a test of googling and then relying on like a vague broad and super shallow understanding of physics to kind of put stuff together but again each one of these information nuggets can relate to something you see in the future i wish there's like there's so much math on these pages and given everything else i feel really certain that the math is actually interesting and related to the concepts but that's just because I don't know the actual subject. That's like a step beyond. Diagrams, at least, I can do some looking around at Google Images based on keywords until I find something that looks similar. But just a whole bunch of mathematical equations I can't really do a lot with. So I do, I wish I knew an astrophysicist to just send all these screenshots to. Yeah, so that's Science Corner with Kari and Lexi. <laughs> I'd watch that. Oh, do you? Does your version of the show have the little uh, commercial blurbs by the actors? No. I, I don't think so. Because I don't know what you're talking about. Adam, do you know what I'm talking about? Are you talking about, like, at the end of the, the show where they, like, um, like advertise stuff occasionally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if the version I I have does either because there's another subgroup that um for Common Rider and Sentai when they put them out they do a separate um file in the the batch that they do with the commercials. So it I it's hard for me to remember whether I saw it in that or on the original like the the main file. Okay. That's interesting to to see um, maybe we could at that. I mean I could I could I could grab some of them and, and and share them with you guys if you want to look at them sometime. Yes. Okay. That would be cool. I can do that. I remember there was like the business cards and the Christmas cards. Yeah, yeah. Really that's early stuff. on. Yeah, but I haven't those haven't been in my subs since the very beginning. Like there were those couple ones, but then I haven't had any since then. And sometimes they'll include uh, the like the the sort of the bumper between the Sentai and the Common Rider show that has like just like a little like thir- fifteen second thing with both like characters from both shows doing like some sort of like very like goofy interaction, like running around or whatever. Speaking of interaction, it was very funny that. Uh, when Yurisen popped up to be just the worst and like <laughs> point out that Takeru is definitely dead in like a mocking fashion. 
that was the first time that Phoebe had ever seen uh, Urasen because Phoebe reacts by saying like, what is this? Oh, <laughs> right. And it's Onari says in this like really exasperated way like oh that's your ascent it's like <laughs> it was such a great moment and it was almost like it was a shame it was in this otherwise busy context but then also it did make it even funnier that elaine is all sad about takaro being dead and this random puppet ghost he's never seen shows up to be like haha yeah we're boned <laughs> and he's like what is this i have no idea what universe Yurisen and Captain Ghost are from? Because it is, it is like not the same as the usual context. Like, are they Ganma? Are they uh, a character inhabiting some other form? Like, Captain Ghost doesn't make a lot of sense. I think that Yurisen is from yeah. the Shivering Isles. <laughs> ha! On the mania side. Yeah, exactly. Okay, honestly, Shivering Isles was probably the moment I absolutely fell in love with video games. Like, there's an interview oh, room at the beginning of it, and at the end of that, like, it's a very common RPG setup where characters just asking you questions and you're picking from your options. But at the end of the interview, the room you're in dissolves into butterflies. Yeah, and it was breathtaking. At the what? technology yeah, of the I remember day. that moment. What, what game is is this from Planescape? No, this is the Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion. Ah, okay. An expansion pack or DLC of of said game, but okay. The butterfly effect is still like I, I've gone back and watched it, and it's still like now I can have a bit more of a like critical eye. And that I also find it interesting because I try and think about how they did it, and I have like a, you know the couple ideas, but it yes. still looks really cool. Like it's a hell of a effect. Oh, it uh, the landscape around you is like an Alice in Wonderland mushroom forest. Yeah, and a very very colorful. Like you go from like a mahogany room to it becoming butterflies. Now you're on a path. Yeah. No, it's an amazing moment. I love Oblivion and Shivering Isles was such a an, an improvement or at least it, it it took what they already had figured out how to do well and then actually like did something new and really impressive with it it's funny how oblivion has the best and worst of dlc because oblivion was horse armor yeah and was also shivering isles I'm sorry west of loathing also has horse armor what are you talking about <laughs> everything sure has horse armor nowadays it started with oblivion I feel like I feel like you're you're from a parallel universe where horse armor caught on now, as opposed to our universe where horse armor was derided and they do less of that stuff. There are so many janky ways to apply horse armor, or at least horse riding in a lot of games. Like you take like something like Neverwinter Nights and you replace the character's torso with a or abdomen, pelvis with a horse, uh, and then you just add a. An extra cloak to that. <laughs> Horse All <right>. armor. <laughs> Alright. It's like the, the Fallout tram character head. Oh, thing. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, it's exactly like that. We're, we're too far in the episode to go on a tangent about that whole like type of video game hack and how amazing it is. Okay, but that can be our 
side podcast. If Adam ever leaves the conversation, <laughs> we could just talk about like the nasty things I did to Planescape Enhanced Edition. <laughs> Dear me. Yeah. Coex Metal's arm is a spell. I'm trying to remember. I didn't get to work on it, Planescape Enhanced Edition, but yeah, there That's was because it was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I wanted to work on Infinity Engine. Adam, do you have any technical corrections and notes on this episode? No, and and we're running long, so I have like I have a thing for the end of an episode that we're not like almost an hour into, and I will save it. Is it right, technical thing about this episode? No, not at all. It's a general. It's it's a general common writer thing that I can talk about whenever. Okay, but not a general Ghostwatch twenty sixteen. Sixteen. Yes. Yeah. That was the year. That was the year. Damn it's it. funny you get it confused because on this episode of Ghostwatch twenty sixteen, <laughs> yes. you accidentally said to go to the Twitter account Ghostwatch twenty seventeen, which then you got called out on. And also, oh man, have uh, they started they dissing just- you people yet? Yeah, they dissed us. They said that we were the other podcast you couldn't make work. Yeah. And I think the 33 or so episodes that we have done proved them wrong. I do assume that was in the period of time where we had recorded the first episode three different <laughs> times and lost it all three times. Okay, if if they haven't dissed you previously, then yes, it is that early. <laughs> I... I- uh, yeah, it's come. I remember. I remember there being some some more dissing. Ah. Well, we'll diss them. It's infinite potential of dissing. I don't. I don't want to diss Hodor. I'm friends with her, and I don't want to diss Kate because maybe I'll be friends with her someday. I've never met either of them. I can well, do all I, I want. Guess that's if you want to if if you want to limit your infinite potential for friendship go right ahead (laughs) it's just an infinite potential of memories and people remember a grudge longer (laughs) than they remember someone who said something mildly nice i guess that's true (laughs) i have some pretty i have some pretty long-term grudges all right i can never die if i just make enough people have a grudge against me (laughs) well i think i like to think this podcast is our immortality again i've thought about this like a hundred years pass and someone has died. Like the last person has died that has forgotten you. Uh, I wanted to say that I looked up when we recorded this or recorded the 2016 and it was like the fifth month of 2017. May. Yes. Yeah, that is May. I have no idea when we started recording this. So it was like April. May was like the start date for 2017, and I was trying to hit the anniversary for the first uh, release of the episode of this. Uh, it all worked out in the end. 33 episodes later, we got you here. If you managed- ignore like the three or four episodes that didn't there, <laughs> you think you'll but hit? But we're going like, to do extra April, episodes, so it'll it'll all even out. You'll it hit will. Ghostwatch 2018 starting up. Corey, Corey apparently has, has a concept for that now. I have a concept for my version. Uh, Hodor had a concept for another version. But Aha. we will see. Who, who reigns supreme? 
<laughs> Wait, Wait, is it uh, Iron Iron pepper. Podcast? <laughs> Wait, oh no, sure. Iron oh. Podcast. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, Adam. Then you're in it twice if it happens. Fukuyasan. <laughs> Hello, I'm Alton Brown. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Alton Brown totally turned into a supervillain. I called that. <laughs> but he makes dog biscuits, so like <laughs> what's what's he gonna do? I wanna be Chef Batali. Oh calling it. Wear my crocs. Ugh. Make great pasta. I mean as long as you don't stand on a cutting board, you're fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> that was like fifteen years ago. I'm like I still remember 15 it years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Bobby Flay. Yes. Yes. I hate so Bobby many levels. Steve. I hate him too because he disrespected he's... the kitchen, and now he's. An I don't asshole. even remember why anymore. I just know that I hate Bobby Flay, and I did yes. the whole time I watched Iron Chef. He was awful, and I hate him. And see, I remember hating him more than I remember a lot of other things. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> thank you all for listening. This has been Ghost Watch 20 year 18? 17. 17. 17. 17. Um, I'm Coriander Dickens, and you can find me on Twitter at Absalar. I'm Adam Wasserman. You can find me on Twitter at Gold Sarcasmium. And I'm Alexi Peppers, and you can find me on Twitter at AM Peppers. Stay frosty. Ghost. Ghosty. Ghost watch. <laughs> we did it, team. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.